1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by E.P. Wealth. Many Generation Z and millennials say they delay financial planning because it's time-consuming and complicated. I don't know what was wrong with me, but when I was 18, it became imperative to me to make financial planning a priority to the point that I wasn't very good at it. My college degree that I was just getting ready to start working on was going to be more artistic than scientific and the arts don't pay nearly as well or consistently or steadily. So, I embarked on fixing the back half end of what was going to be a liability in my financial planning by overcompensating on the front end. I wasn't going to have a great bottom line. I dedicated myself to be uh, ultimately a writer. And I changed plans when I started making money. The more money I made as a writer, the more I wanted to get out of that industry. Not because I couldn't support myself and a family, but because it was going to be very, very long and arduous. And I just wasn't it wasn't there. College professor taught me along the way that, hey, you could write the great American play, you can write your television series, you write a novella when you retire, if you want. Go live life. So I'm dedicated to helping you do what I was forced to do. Start started thinking about finances early. Many young people say they delay financial planning because of time constraints. Charles Schwab surveyed a thousand Americans for their views on wealth. Generation Z and millennials attitudes often contrasted with the, those of the boomers. We expect that. The survey found that Generation Z and millennial respondents had largely similar attitudes towards wealth and finance. Younger generations were considerably more likely than others to be put off by creating financial plans because of the amount of time, money and perceived effort involved. Twenty nine percent of Generation Z and millennial respondents said they don't have enough time to develop a financial plan or a formal financial plan is probably the right way of saying it, because you have a financial plan, even if you don't have a financial plan. Now, two thirds of the respondents said they didn't have a formal plan. A quarter said they didn't have a financial plan at all. So 25% have no clue. I get my paycheck, I spend my paycheck, and that's about as far as they go. Two-thirds said, you know, "Eh, I I got a basic idea. More than half of the boomers age 58 to 75 who responded to Charles Schwab's survey said they didn't have a documented formal financial plan. I want you to have a documented formal financial plan. And more than half baby boomers don't, and their time is running out. It's so a shame on them when I was ten years old, I was playing co-ed soccer, and there was a girl that I had massive you know boy girl crush on. she was on my team tracy, and um I carved my initials and her initials into a tree r b plus t m I wrote it down. I don't think I ever had the courage to show her. I don't think I ever showed it to anyone. I don't think you could even notice it. But writing it down made it true. That's what you have to do in this scenario. Younger generations appear to place more value on wealth. Which is weird because they don't take the time to develop a wealth plan. Throwing that down there for you. So let's talk about... Maybe next segment, I'll go over things to do in your 20s. It's a pretty common list. I do it on a regular basis, but I think it helps. Let's talk about the current stock market rally. How do you approach the market when things are conf- not confusing, but when you have questions? Should I invest in tech? Should I invest in small cap? Is the market going to broaden out? Is the market to pull back? The stocks have been on fire in the last few months. Strategists say it could continue. The SP 500 is up 15% since March 13th, thanks to a slew of stronger than expected corporate earnings. The labor market is strong and the economy isn't weakening. Lower inflation has also been a tailwind since it allowed the Federal Reserve to pause interest rates that were hurting banks. The doubt about stocks right now. Is a telltale sign that people don't believe the rally can continue, and yet strategists say it can. It's called an unloved market. We're using terms like the S&P 5 instead of the S&P 500 because five stocks are really leading the charge. Fundamentals were kind of the spark and the kindling that kept it going uh, while we figure out new positioning. the first five months of the year, seven stocks counted for all the S&P 500s year-to-date returns. But the weak market breadth has gotten broader in June as the market's momentum lures investors back. Some people are taking profits from the big five, the Amazons, the Apples, the Googles, the Microsoft, the NVIDIAs, and they're putting it back into smaller cap stocks or lower valuation stocks. That's what the broadening is happening. I noticed last month my 401k, which is widely diversified, versus my stock portfolio, which is heavily concentrated. Percentage-wise, my 401k did best in the month of June over Mm -hmm. the individual stocks because the breadth of the market rewarded the widely diversified. What happened in 2023... Is a big technology focus for the first half, particularly AI. There's a very late 1990s field of the acceleration of the upside. The trend has been undeniably positive. I told you last year, buy shares of Nvidia. It goes down 40 to 50 percent from its high. That's when you buy the big tech companies when you can, not when you have to. My work shows that the strong start of the calendar year historically has rarely led to declines in the back half. So where would I invest now? I would invest in small and mid-cap companies, uh, ETFs, indexes, if you want to limit downside. If you want to limit upside, you go with the tech companies. But I, I want to limit downside right now. Tech stocks are still worth investing in. I'd wait for a pullback. one not not on them all, but on the names like Apple and Nvidia. Um, what else would I go after? I like healthcare stocks because they offer defensiveness and a combination of reasonable valuations and solid growth as the population continues to age. Industrials, despite their economic sensitivity, since they can benefit from long-term catalysts like investments in clean energy. Consumer staples, um, I like, but they tend to struggle in markets like this, as do utilities. I'm not a big utility investor, but if I had to own a Coca-Cola or McDonald's, I wouldn't wouldn't fight it. I know you're calling McDonald's a staple. Anyway, big event coming up Sunday. Portfolio review and a couple beers with me in San Carlos. You can learn more about the event Sunday at RobBlackShow.com.
2: Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday, June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with $500,000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find pints and portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go
1: to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. One of the more interesting articles I ever read in the New York Times, um, it chronicled what investing in real estate is like versus investing in the stock market. And it showed 30 year history if you had bought a home. With $20,000 down. In San Francisco, in San Diego and L.A., Chicago, New York in big metropolitan areas. And held it for 30 years versus using that same deposit money put in the stock market, using the same amount of mortgage payment put in the stock market. Which one would be better? And the truth is, investing beat real estate by fourfold over 30 years. Investing in, did I said, whoops, 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 edit that one. Investing in the stock market beat investing in real estate. That's crazy. And these are big markets, which is one of the arguments you'll get from people who are, love real estate. Oh, I love real estate. Best investment I ever made it. No, it's the best liability ever serviced. I agree with that. Yes, it does work to your favor over time. I own real estate. I'm not knocking it. But this New York Times article did what I wanted to do, but it didn't have access to the information. If you invested similar amounts of money, and I'll tell you where it's even cheating, the stock market doesn't get things like tax money put into it in this example. So when you're paying property taxes, and let's say your uh, garage door fall breaks, and you have to put money into that in your home, when you own stocks, they don't they don't have garage doors that break. They don't have roofs that leak. Some of the companies might decide, but that's your decision to buy those versus buying capitalism in the SP five hundred. So if you've ever wanted to know which is better, there's a great article I could send it to you. Drive me name at Rob at Roblexhu.com It's Rob at roblox.com. Um And again, I, I like real estate, I'm not knocking it. Um, let's talk a little real estate now because I don't talk about it enough on this show. Managing your home takes a little bit of smart financial approaches to do it right. A home is the largest financial asset and largest ongoing expense. The biggest difference between your home and all your other financial assets is your home is a physical asset. It's a collection of building materials, equipment, appliances, fixtures, finishes, landscaping you must manage not only the financial aspects but also the physical ones which include insurance maintenance improvement So over time yet in my experience most consumers focus on the lifestyle and family aspects of being a homeowner they don't take on the spending more money than necessary decreasing the value and not having complete financial visibility for their personal finance strategies home asset values your home has different Asset value. So it's important to understand these. There's the expected home value that's based on your address, your neighborhood, your square footage, lot size, the condition of the home. You can have your home, your estimated home value figured out by Zillow. They will take a look at all the numbers of how big your lot is and how big the dwellings is punch it into a computer and find out similar homes in your neighborhoods selling for similar prices. We'll kick out a square footage, and we'll put it into yours, and boom, you got an estimated home value. Now, the home equity value is calculated by taking the current estimated value minus the current mortgage balance, which is the portion of your home that you own. What's the property tax value? Your county assesses the value of your home and calculates your annual property tax bill. Each county has different laws on how often It can change the value. I have insurance with USAA and Geico on my dwellings. There's another way to value your home called the dwelling coverage value. This is the amount that your insurance company would pay to rebuild your home if it was destroyed. This is usually less than the estimated home value because it does not include the land value. You probably thought your home was worth a million dollars or $600,000 or 1.6 million. I'm telling you, there's four different values on your home. The estimated value, that's the address, the neighborhood, square footage, lot size, condition. It's very automated. There's the home equity value, which is calculated by taking the current estimated value minus the current mortgage. Property tax, I'm paying property taxes um, because of Prop 13 in California, which for the record, I hate that law. I think it's unfair to young people. And I think it helps wealthy people and people who've been in their homes a long time, the most. And yet, single families who we need to thrive and survive. It hurts them badly. Oh, I'm a California, I've been paying my taxes all my life, shut up. I've I, people have threatened to kill me because I don't like Prop 13. Um, Home debt, home debt. Let's talk about finances on your home that you need to understand. I've already gone over the four things you need to learn how to value it. Home debt, the original mortgage principal. This is the amount of the loan from the bank that you agreed to when buying your home. Total interest cost. Your mortgage has a start date, a term that is usually 15 or 30 years, A 30 year mortgage, 15 year mortgage. If you pay the monthly mortgage over time, over the term, how much interest are you gonna pay? So if you have a $2 million home, you're probably gonna end up paying almost 3 million in, in taxes, in, in interest, excuse me. Um, and your mortgage balance, I think this is a, a way of looking at your home debt. So your home has assets and your home has debts. Every mortgage payment and lump sum payment reduces the balance of your mortgage principal. This number changes every month and is used to calculate your estimate home equity. I don't like gimmicks like sending in an extra mortgage payment every month or uh, every year. If you do 13 payments instead of 12, you'll cut your interest that you pay. But yeah, you'll also lose the opportunity to have that money invested in the stock market, which we've already talked about over time is a bigger winner winner chicken dinner than just investing in a home. So your home also has some issues like expenses. We know the mortgage cost. We know the property taxes. Um, if you own, if you don't own an, at least eighty percent of the home, if your original loan was for more than eighty percent of the purchase, you maybe have mortgage insurance fees, which are ridiculous. But you also have utility costs for electricity, gas, water, sewer, basic costs for cable, TV. Optional costs could be lawn care or pool care, home insurance costs. Yep, they all add up, don't they? Then you have maintenance and repair expenses. Thirty. You get home remodeling investments and expenses, do-it-yourself projects, contractor projects. You get home income, sharing rental income, full-time rental income. There's a lot of little financial gimmicks with, with your home, isn't there? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Big event coming up in San Carlos. 10. June 25th, one week away, Pints and Portfolios. It's for people with $500,000 in investable assets or more. Find out more at robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Let's talk investment books. No, let's talk books. And then we're going to talk investment books. Let's talk personal financial tip that you won't really ever see coming from me all too often on this show. If you're ever in a conversation with another human being. Ask them for their advice. It's a way of looking intelligent when you're not. It's a way of looking intelligent when you are. So when I waited tables during my college years. I would always ask what's your favorite book whether I was on a first date with a lady. Or whether I was a, a new employee that was training me or something along those lines, right? What's your favorite book? It's a dumb question. And then you get into why. Um, and I think that's where the magic is. I've read Homer. The Iliad and the Odyssey. I've read The Art of War. I've read The Arabian Nights. Divine Comedy, The Canterbury Tales by Chaucer, Aesop's Fables. I did all those when I was in my teen years. Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, Don Quixote, Macbeth, Paradise Lost, Robinson Crusoe, Gulliver's Travels. I really like Gulliver's Travels. The Land of Tiny People, The Land of Giants, A Flying Island. Even a land with talking horses. That's one that I just couldn't get that image out of my head. Weren't they called the Winnies? I don't even know why I still remember that. That's bizarre. Um, One of my favorites to tell people to read is Grimm's Fairy Tales. They're dark. Cinderella, Rapunzel, Rumpelstiltskin, Snow White, Swiss Family Robinson, Frankenstein, where Mary Shelley taught me um, that if you create something, you're responsible for it. That's what Frankenstein was all about. Grieving his mother, young, ambitious scientist Victor Frankenstein. He was grieving his mother. He conducted a series of unorthodox tests to create life and ends up creating a feet, creature eight feet tall, horrified by his own creation. He spends the rest of his life haunted. Um, If you have children, you have to read Frankenstein because you are their God um, on a lot of levels. Don't get mad at me, religious people. I didn't mean that completely. I know there's another God. Edgar Allan Poe. Every book you can get, uh, every short story you can get by him. Every single one. Uh, I can go on. I can go on. Everything I've ever learned, I've learned in a book. It's one of my favorite quotes. I've learned how to love. I've learned how to be passionate. I've learned how to be angry. I've learned everything I've learned. Whether in Heights, The Scarlet Letter, Moby Dick, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Walden. Um, you have to be well-read in this society, in my opinion. And the best question you can ever ask is, what's your favorite book? Um, so for me, when I answer that question, let's go into the financial books real quick. I basically hate them all. How's that? How's that sound? Um, the Millionaire Next Door, I think, is lovely by Thomas Stanley. Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits, I think, is great if you want to play around with stocks. The Gorilla Game. Oh, Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits is by Philip Fisher. Um, the Gorilla Game was okay if you want to learn about tax stocks. I thought that was fine. I hate Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I hate Kiyosaki's advice. I think it's not good advice. Hate it, 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 hate it. The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. I think my best business book, if I were to recommend one, is called The Death of Competition by Moore. It used to be really, really hard to get. Now it's not so hard to get. I don't know what, why, why that happened. Um, but you can go to Amazon, grab it for three bucks on an audio cassette. You can get an audiobook version of it. You can get it on the Kindle. You can get the hardcover. The Death Competition Leadership and Strategy in the Age of Business Ecosystems. I believe it taught me more about how to correctly invest in large cap tech companies. And I've created a generational generations of wealth with um what i've learned from james Moore. seeing radical changes in the way companies do business with one another and he starts with the ecosystem you know who's the gorilla who's the uh who needs whom does adobe need microsoft or does microsoft need adobe um i think he did a wonderful job james Moore. he had a blog for a while it was lovely um but that's not really you know that's probably the best Business book that I can tell you to read. Um, He uses examples to do the narrative. Uh, I'm talking about IBM and Microsoft and Kmart and Walmart. So he compares companies and shows you why Walmart won, why Microsoft and Intel did what IBM didn't want to do make the semiconductors and make the software operating system. IBM wanted the services side of computers. And they, they could have made the computers themselves. But they wanted Microsoft to do the operating system and basically made Bill Gates the richest man in the world by doing that. Wow, right? You with me? Okay. So my favorite book, if you were to ask me, is called The Depth of Trilogy. It's incredibly slow, it's three books Fifth Business, The Manticore, and The World of Wonders. Um, it all three re- revolve around one of it, which was a young boy throwing a snowball at another hitting a pregnant woman instead, who goes into premature labor. It explores the long-term effects of these events on all the characters. One book is written in the boy who ducked. One book is written from the perspective of the son of the boy who threw the snowball with a rock in it. And the other book is the manticore is written about the child who came out early. It's pretty fascinating stuff and how their lives intertwine. Um, it's really, 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 really slow. And it's all about Canadian life. 30. But it's, it is my favorite book. What's yours? Drop me an email, rob at roblackshow.com. It's rob at rob.show.com. Come out to the big event in San Carlos one week from today or less than one week from today, June 25th uh, in San Carlos to learn about the location. It's a brewery. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. It's pints and portfolios. I'll review your portfolio and I'll even buy you a beer. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday,
2: June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with $500,000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can Provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to RobBlackShow.com and click the Events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation, and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.